Well, good morning. Uh, today we are going to be picking back up in our sermon series in the, the Gospel according to John, and we're going to be starting in chapter 3, uh, verse 22. This is what uh, the scripture reads. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim, because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Father God, this morning as we read your scripture, Lord, we come before you and desire to hear you speaking. Lord, we desire to know your word at work in our lives. And so, God, we ask that, that you would have your way in our community. Lord, that together we would hear you speak, that together our lives would be shaped by your presence with us and among us. Would we know you guiding, directing us, shepherding and pastoring us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in the movies, there's always a main character, the hero of the story. And along the way, there are supporting characters. There are antiheroes, there are extras um, who all take part in the story. But no one ever gets confused that these extras or supporting characters are who the movie is about. No, they aren't the focus of the movie. The movie isn't about them. They're just a part of the story. They add to it. They have a role to play. They help move the story along, but ultimately it's not about them. It's about the hero and the journey that the hero is on. Now, if ever there was a person who seemed like the hero of the story, it would be John the Baptist who we read about in this passage. John has an amazing origin story. He, his parents... Um, his father was a, a priest and his mother was from the line of Aaron, a high priest. Um, and they were too old to have children, but longed to have kids. And an angel appeared to announce his coming birth. 
I mean, who else gets to say that they have a story like that, that an angel actually appeared to their parents to say that they were going to be born? John was called to be a prophet, um, making straight a path for Jesus Christ to come. He baptized many. He had his own disciples following after him. People knew his name. The devout and the curious traveled to him in the desert to hear him speak. There had been hundreds of years of silence from heaven. And now here's this man, John, sent with the words of God in his mouth. This was a great man. In Matthew's gospel account, Jesus is even uh, recorded as saying that there is no person born of woman that is greater than John. John had every reason to think really highly of himself to be proud of his life and all that he was accomplishing for God, the name that he had made for himself, the influence that he was having, the way powerful political and religious leaders took notice of him, as well as the crowds of ordinary folk who were flocking to him. He was preaching about God's kingdom and repentance and people were responding. He didn't just have a huge following, he had a successful ministry. People's lives were being changed. He was doing great. And his followers knew all of this about John and they loved and respected him. They were in awe of the power of God behind him. So when the crowds started turning away from John and began flocking to Jesus downriver from them, they were concerned. They were defensive on behalf of the, their leader. Do you ever do that? Hear someone that you respect and love uh, criticized or overlooked, not recognized for their hard work and contribution, and do you get offended for them? These followers of John, they loved him, and out of their love for him, they got defensive. They came to John and they said that, all are going to Jesus. They over-exaggerate here, but you can hear in their voices the concern they have for John. People are leaving you for Jesus. People are leaving you. Don't they know how amazing you are? All the sacrifices you've made for God, how righteous you are, how much you care. Don't they see your hard work, your faithfulness to speak God's truth, even when people don't want to hear it? Don't they know that there hasn't been a man like you in Israel in generations? Don't they see all the good things that God is doing in Israel through you? And now everyone just walks away. Aren't you upset, John? Aren't you offended? Aren't you going to do something? And so John's response in, in verses 27 through 30, his response to them saying, look, they're all going away from you, is to tell them, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. John's response to their concern for him is to tell them that, look, we only receive what we've been given from heaven. Our assignment is from the Lord. And my assignment is different than the assignment of Jesus. 
And then he says that, that my assignment is not to be the Messiah. My assignment is to be the one who goes before him. And so he directs the focus off of himself and back onto Christ, back onto the Messiah, the, the chosen one, the sent one. And then he gives this illustration, an illustration of a wedding where you have a, a groom waiting for his bride and then you have the groom's friend. And no one ever thinks that the wedding is all about the best man, right? Everyone knows the wedding is about the bride and the groom. And the, the best man, the friend of the groom, gets to celebrate his friend's happiness because he knows it's not about him in the moment, it's about the bride and groom. And so John is describing to his followers the way he sees the world, that, that ultimately it's about Jesus and people should be going to him because John is just the best man. John is just the friend who celebrates the bride and the groom's marriage. And so finally, John summarizes his response by saying, he must increase and I must decrease. His response to his followers' defense of his reputation is to say, no, it's, it's good that people are leaving me and flocking to Jesus. He must increase and I must decrease. John knew that the story being told was the story of God and his kingdom, his work of redemption in the world through Jesus. John recognized that Jesus was the hero and John was blessed to fulfill his role as a supporting character in this story. It wasn't about John, it was about God. And so John could embrace his need to decrease in significance so that Jesus might rightfully increase. The kingdom of God is not a competition. It's not about who's doing more, who is greater, who has more followers, because Jesus blows us all out of the water. If it was a competition between John and Jesus, then Jesus wins hands down. There's no competition. It's just about Jesus. And so the, the following verses, starting in verse 31, is John the Beloved, the, the author of this book. It's his reflection, his commentary on this story. And so he says that the difference between John and Jesus, the difference between John and Jesus is that John is from earth and Jesus is from above. Jesus is from heaven and John is from earth. And the difference between them is that John speaks words from God, but Jesus bears witness to what he has seen and heard because he's from above. He utters the very words of God. He has the spirit in him without measure. He's loved by the Father and all things have been given into his hands. Jesus is the one who gives life and apart from him, there isn't any life. And so if it's a competition between John and Jesus, then for all of these reasons, Jesus wins. Ultimately, the story is about Jesus. It's not about John. For John, losing his followers would be a catastrophic event if the story was all about him. 
He would be losing influence, losing his followers. Um, his leadership would be diminishing. And this couldn't be good if, if the story was about John. But if the story is about Jesus and his work in the world, then John can joyously celebrate his role diminishing because he sees that the kingdom of God is growing in the world. And I think if we're all honest, that, that we tend to live as if we were the center of our story. Aren't we all tempted like John's disciples uh, to think that the story that we're living in is our story? I think in our time and in our culture, our temptation is to live as if we are the heroes of the movie, to live as if life is all about us. When I was a middle schooler, I'd been reading books like The Diary of Anne Frank and biographies about historical characters whose stories had been pieced together through the journals and letters that they had written. And I was convinced that I should keep a journal to document my life and thoughts because if I were to die tragically young, which I thought I might, um, then, then surely people would want to hear about my life. I saw myself as the center of my story. The movie was about me and surely others would want to watch this story. And I think the rest of my life has been an exercise in cooperating with God as he works to dethrone me from the center of my life. And as, as, he, as he works within me to take that rightful place as the hero of the story, the one who life is actually all about. From our perspective, it seems to be reality that life is about us. A supporting character who only sees the scenes that they are filmed in would have a really skewed view of the storyline. And so it seems like we're the main character with all the action and tragedy and comedy happening to us or around us. There's no part of the story that we aren't in from our perspective. But this type of myopic view of life will cause us to miss out on the larger story that's unfolding around us. If we make it about ourselves, we will miss out on what life is actually about, Jesus and his kingdom. And so this morning, I want to ask us, what would life be like if we had the perspective of John? To live as if we were just an extra or at very best a supporting character in the story of God's life in the world. What if the movie was about God and his work? his acts of creation, his love, his work of redemption and rescue, his interaction with humanity, his kingdom breaking into our world and bringing life and wholeness, justice and peace. What if we saw ourselves entering into this story unfolding around us, this beautifully crafted story filled with adventure and love and tragedy and beauty? What if we got to be supporting characters in this story? What if we saw ourselves as participants in God's unfolding story of redemption? If we had an expanded view, not just focused on the here and now of our daily lives, but through scripture and through attention to the suffering and joy and life of our global neighbors, we were able to get an expanded view of the narrative of God working in the world. See, I think a lot changes if our view changes. 
A lot changes if we begin to see our lives not about us as the hero, but about us as a supporting character in the story of Jesus's life. You see, if we have this view, then our setbacks and our failures aren't catastrophic. Our sin isn't the end of the story. Our mistakes aren't powerful enough to ruin the entire story. If we don't get it right, if we make the wrong move, the story that God is telling in the world can still play out. If the story is not about us, but it's about Jesus, then when we face tragedy, it doesn't derail the story. See, the difference between tragedy and comedy is if it has a happy ending. And often in our life, our suffering and setbacks make us feel like the entire story is a tragedy, like evil has won and God has failed us. But if the story is about God and his work, then we know that our tragedy is not the final word. It's not the ending. But instead, we get to realize that God has been at work, that God is at work, and he will still be at work long after we're gone. Tragedy and struggle don't get the final word if the story is about Jesus. Our individual triumphs and tragedies, joys and sorrows, don't dictate to us the goodness of God if life is about him and his story. Instead, we get a wider set of data to draw from when we see that the story is really about Jesus at work in the entirety of human history. And so if the story is about Jesus and not about me, then my will and my plans aren't as important as his will. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And if the story is about Jesus and not about me, then I can live as if others are more important than myself. And so we get to follow Jesus as he showed the way to live sacrificially by laying down our rights for the sake of others. And if life is about Jesus and not about me, I have a new purpose. Life isn't about my success and my prosperity. It's not about my happiness and my fulfillment. It's not about my freedoms and my rights. But as a character in God's story, my purpose is to be one who receives and actively participates in his work of grace and redemption in the world. I get to participate in a grander story than my own, a story that's been unfolding since the beginning of time, a story of God lavishly displaying his love, his goodness, his justice, his peace, his redemption in humanity. When we see God's love displayed, then we can confidently be filled with hope that this love he displays to the world will be displayed to us as well, to our friends and family, to our neighbors, uh, to those that we're at odds with, to those who have hurt us, those who are adamantly opposed to us, those we think are wrong, as well as those that we love and respect, the people that we appreciate, we're all characters in the story of God, so loving the world that he gave his only son. We are written into the pages of God's unfolding story in the world. So church, this week we have the choice. We can live as captains of our own destiny, the star of our own life's movie, or we can enter into God's story with him as the center.
where true life is waiting for us. And unfortunately, this isn't a one-time decision, but rather it's a decision that we have to make millions of times over, every day presented with countless opportunities to say the same words that John the baptizer spoke. He must increase and I must decrease. Would you join me this morning as we pray? Jesus Christ, we confess together this morning that it is all about you. That it's in you that we find life and apart from you, there is no life. And so God, we repent this morning from living as if we were the center of it all, living as if we were the most important thing and the most important people. God, we confess to you that, that left on our own, that we tend towards selfishness, left on our own, uh, we tend to view ourselves as more important than others. And so we ask that your Holy Spirit would fill us and empower us right now. That you would fill us and empower us that we would willingly embrace this call to decrease, this call to, to remove ourselves from the center of our own lives so you can have your rightful place in and through us. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.